Welcome to Win with Richardson and Richardson. What's important now? Success in business most often comes down to hard work, not by silver bullets and quick fixes. It's knowing where to focus that hard work that's key to winning. Join sales prospecting expert and three-time seven-figure business founder, Carrie Richardson, and managing partner of R&R Consulting and former owner of Doberman Technologies, Ian Richardson, for radical honesty regarding strategic planning, accountability, and execution that will get you the systematic results you're working toward. Let's get into today's episode. Thought leader and your host, Carrie Richardson. Hello and welcome to Win. I'm Ian Richardson, your host, and I'm here with Izzy Amato. Izzy, how are you doing today? Really good, sir. Thanks for having me. Hey, glad to have you. Glad to have you. Izzy is the founder and CEO of IT Ninjas, itninjas.tech, and he believes in empowering and guiding business through technology. He's been in the industry for seven years, holds multiple certifications from CompTIA, VMware, and other industry leaders. He's got an interesting background starting in California's Silicon Valley and has been involved with heavy hitters like Facebook, Stanford, Apple, and others. IT Ninjas is focused on business process outsourcing. Izzy, tell us about your founder story. There's a, there's a little bit of interesting background there from your father and his history and your history. Talk to us about that. Yeah, thank, thanks for that, man. So my dad was a small businessman. He initially started running an auto body shop because that's what he was by trade. Um, he eventually started running a livery close to San Francisco. He had a couple executive clients. Well, why not sit in a car and drive people around and get paid for it, right? So I noticed that as a one-man shop, he had a lot of interesting struggles when it came to technology, all the way from like accounting to what PC to buy. Uh, and just all these little things start to pile up as, as a business owner. And, I, you know, I spent 15 years of my career in the Silicon Valley working with big enterprises, like you mentioned, and I spent a lot of that time and a lot of time in that space working on developing business teams or IT departments, right? So I saw this huge gap between what it was that my father was doing when it came to business versus what these very well-refined enterprises were doing, and I saw an opportunity there. I wanted to bridge that gap for small to mid-sized business. I was kind of out to prove that there's really not this need for a massive IT budget to have game-changing technology that really gives your business an edge. And I wanted to bring that to market for small to mid-size to give them, you know, a competitive edge against some of these really large enterprises. Awesome. Yeah, that's uh, that that enterprise knowledge is such a gap in our space because it, it's difficult to tear someone away from the trappings of enterprise, the the perks, mm-hmm. the environment, the uh, it's a different type of stress over an enterprise than it is an SMB. My background was in uh, was in educational IT. And so I, I know mm-hmm. there's a different type of stress, but it's mainly red tape. And will we get approval? There's never that oh my God, it's an emergency. We have to get this done now. And now it's another emergency. And now it's another emergency where there's Mm -hmm. this constant battle of everything's a crisis. Enterprise is much more calm. It is. Hurry up. Oh yeah, 100%. 100%. 
Speaking of waiting and, and calm, one of the one of the things we focus on when is uh, around business challenge. And you and I had a really robust discussion around time management. How do you balance all the tasks of running a small business while operating it, while growing the business, while figuring out processes? There's just there's 50 balls in there that you're juggling all at once. And some of those balls have spikes or will blow up if yeah. you drop them. How are you handling the challenge of time management in your organization? Oh man, that's a so that's a big one, right? So time management is by far, you know, we have that conversation. It's our challenge at the moment, and it's because we've been doing really well, right? So we've been racking up victories in sales and marketing on that side. Of this, we're growing, and that all translates to uh, to there being a lot more tasks that need to be done or that require my attention, and those pile up very very quickly. And the reality of the situation is that there are some things that are going to have to get rescheduled or left undone throughout your day. Now, you know, just as a personality, as a person, I'm a bit of an idealist. And honestly, that bugs the shit out of me. The fact that I can't get to everything that I want to on a daily basis, that I, little idealist in me is like, ah, not good enough. Um, and so, you know, as a business owner, though, you have to be realistic and you have to acknowledge that there's only so many hours in the day. And so that's been the conundrum. Um, I, I mentioned this to your partner, Carrie Richardson, and she did a fantastic job uh, helping me and giving me some advice on identifying seemingly really small habits that have a huge impact on my own personal productivity uh, throughout my own day. And look, you know, I've applied those lessons to business as well. And it's it's been great because we're executing on a far more uh, basis at a high level. Right. So it's that consistency that was was kind of missing. Like and so honestly, man, it doesn't change the fact that I'm an idealist at heart and I am willing to concede that there are some things that are going to be rescheduled or left undone. But at least with the right habits in place and after the conversations I had with you and with Carrie, I know that I've structured my business and my own personal life so that I'm executing at a level that I can sleep at night, right? I know I'm not leaving anything on the table. As much as I can get to is gotten to. So, um, and, you know, at some point we got to hire some local talent, right, out here in Jacksonville. But in the interim, we're staying sharp and focused and we're going to continue to execute not only for our current customers, uh, but for those we're onboarding. Yeah, that's... Uh... You mentioned Carrie and, uh, and and habit building, and she is, uh, if there's a bigger cheerleader of James Clear and Atomic Habits, I haven't met it yet. I think she promotes right. his book more than James does. Um, <laughs> but the, the big takeaway that I took from that book, and it's a common takeaway, is that 1% improvement. And hey, mm -hmm. forget 365 days. There's 270 working days. So if you're on Monday to Friday and you're improving 1% every day during the week, you're 270% better. If you're improving 1% every weekend on something in your personal life, then you're 100% better by the end of the year. And that's what really resonated with me is, hey, you can be two and a half X better on your career as well as 100% better something personal if you divide up and conquer and form two different habits over the course of the year, which is just really impactful. And it creates that... Uh, that sense of balance in in uh, oh, yeah. in a world. So yeah, that's so 
that balance, it's hard to come by. I mean, we were just talking about uh, enterprise. Like you get a lot of guys in that space who never move beyond that um, or working for someone else or working for an enterprise that are talented that could easily run a business. But, you know, the weekend comes around and they just decompress and they do nothing for their own personal development. It's as if they're willing to wake up early in the morning for somebody else to get paid. but They're not willing to do that for themselves, which is kind of this really weird mentality that I've never really understood or I, just, I can't relate to it. Yeah, the uh, the risk tolerance of entrepreneurs is one of the most um, inspiring things that I've found. Just that this, the ability to say, you know what, I'm betting on me. I've got this. I know I can do it. And so I'm going to dive in. There's no safety net. There's no there's no bungee cord. I'm just leaping off of the cliff and let me show you that I can fly. That uh, that's that's a super inspiring Speaking of uh, of entrepreneurs and, uh, and and just jumping off of a cliff, you jumped off of a cliff when you went out and around the space and you said, hey, I'm diving into this when you founded your business. I'm diving into this. I don't want to reinvent. I'm willing to listen. I'm willing to learn. I'm willing to ask the awkward question. And what you found through asking that question is that there's a lot of leaders, peers, colleagues around the space who've been willing to share 100% their secret sauce as to what they do in their organizations. Talk to us about how you went and had those conversations. What was the impact on scaling your business from having them? I mean, the impact was huge, man. I mean, I tried. I subscribe to a lot of Bruce Lee's philosophies. People don't know that he was like a philosophy major. I think that was his understudy. And um, one of the things he says is that you need to live your life like a white belt, right? You need to ask questions. You need to walk into a room acting like you don't know a whole lot. That's how you expand on what you do know. Um, to that, I've really, in late 2021 and all of 2022 so far, we've made a really concerted effort to get out and meet more like-minded people in our space. Uh, I call it a type of mentors, right, to totally steal something from Tim Ferriss. Um, but it's true, right? So it's weird. The MSP marketplace is competitive. It's really saturated. I'm okay with it personally. I'm a fan of competition. It suits me. I'm okay with that. But it's very surprising to me that as competitive as this marketplace is, the guys that were running at a high level were very open and honest about the things that they were doing, the challenges they were having, tips for growth. Um, I've had some really brutally honest conversations, like the one you were talking about on uh, time management that we had the other day, um, with other industry leaders. And it's been really interesting hearing about their best practices, the trends that they're identifying challenges that they're having. I personally, I love the tips for growth, right? Because these guys are where I want to be. And instead of having to puzzle through how to get there, they are just telling me how to build a puzzle they've already put together, right? So it's really fast track things and helped us uh, grow. Um, it's been a blast actually kind of just keeping in contact um, with that network, ending that network. It's, there's some really well space. Um, there's some great channel partners, software vendors, uh, even speakers that are literally just giving advice away or giving their time away if you're willing to have that open, honest conversation with them. And, and so actually making an effort to get out and make that reality was something that I hadn't been really good with. With most, Like most MSP owners, I was very focused on the business and so much the industry. And I, I've been just floored with how much getting involved with the industry has actually helped growth. So it's been really good, man. Yeah, 
that uh what what sticks out it it comes up um I'll even use and I always hesitate to use this word as a regret that I have uh, regret I have is that I didn't connect more with local competitors until now after the sale of uh, of my previous IT company I really I connected nationwide and and that was a strategy from 2012 up until 21 so a good nine years but locally in the space I didn't start connecting with competitors until the very end and really deepen those connections after the point of sale. And there's just so many good professionals in my local market who, like, now that I'm there, I'm like, ah, I've missed out on friendships and colleague relationships and just guys who I can shoot straight with about who are here, who understand Mm. it. And so... Like hearing hearing that superpower of yours where you just went out and said, hey, like, let's talk. Let's chat, man. You're I I uh, I only have a spot in the sandbox, but a lot I hear a lot more guys like me than guys like you. And like that, that willingness to dive in and have those conversations is is, like I said, a superpower. And it's uh, it's it's really, really um really inspiring to me to hear that you uh that you've embraced it as a core strategy thank you thinking thinking about strategies one of the the areas we really like to focus on at win is around opportunity what's important now what are we going after right now and you and i had a huge conversation around cybersecurity. cyber Huge topic. Everybody hears about the breaches, whether it's a big one like the uh, like the pipeline breach or a more micro one around, hey, you know, last year there was a bread store in my local town that had a ransomware attack and it made local news. Yikes. Right. Like the, uh, the there's there's macro and there's micro when it when it comes down to cybersecurity, but it's everyone's problem. And mm-hmm. one of the things you mentioned was there is an opportunity around presenting the need for cybersecurity to small business owners without pushing that button, without tapping into fear, without selling via fear. Talk Mm -hmm. to me about that. Talk to me about this opportunity that you're pursuing around cybersecurity. Oh, man, I I can't tell you the number of really talented engineers I've watched over the years, like tech talk their way into getting their way or getting somebody to spend money on something. And I just, you know, having observed that, it never results in any kind of trust in that relationship, right? It completely erodes it. Um, And so to what you were saying, I mean, right now, I think every MSP has a really huge opportunity, and I would even take that further. There's almost a critical need to educate business leaders and small to mid-sized business uh, leaders on their own personal cybersecurity. Now, like you mentioned, I mean, this is all, none of this is new, right? So a problem for businesses of all size. There's a reason we're all talking about it. And there's still so many businesses, small to mid-sized businesses that have done nothing about it or nothing with that knowledge. I mean, we've seen the news. We've seen what a single event can do. Um, why aren't they being more proactive? And I, I, I've been chewing on that for a while and trying to figure out what that was. And more importantly, you know, how can I get the word out without sounding like I'm trying to scare you into buying a cybersecurity product? And the conclusion I came to 
uh, and I'm convinced of is that if I teach business leaders, especially in my local community in Jacksonville, to practice better personal cybersecurity, it it ha- it necessarily has to change the way that their organization perceives or handles those cybersecurity events and breaches. Now, the, the vast majority of stuff is just very easily avoided. And the cybersecurity basics all businesses should have in place are low to no cost, right? They're not these huge things that are massively expensive. Um, I think there's this perception that really good or just any cybersecurity, it's a myth that it would be affordable, right? So affordable cybersecurity is kind of a myth or that's the perception anyways. And look, I mean, you, you know it as well as I do, spending on these tools or the right tools at the right time is definitely really going to help. But I've worked with really large enterprises that make billions of dollars a year that spend millions of dollars on cybersecurity audits and tools and compliance and all kinds of things, and they still have breaches. And on the flip side, I've worked with really small businesses with a tiny shoestring IT budget that prevent and stop breaches effectively on a routine basis. And, and so it has I'm convinced that that's because there are business leaders in those businesses that actually have a cybersecurity mindset, like Scott Ongabon likes to, to call it. And that starts with teaching them about their personal cybersecurity. But I, it sounds a little crazy. I want to keep the Jacksonville business community free from extortion, data theft, and financial ruin from some kind of cyber threat. And, and that's a possible task. I understand that. But if we aim for it, I feel like we're going to do a lot of good. And that that's an opportunity I'm excited about to contribute and give a little something back to a business community. That's really been great to me and my business. Yeah. The, uh, the BHAG, which I, I heard you, you touch on, right. That, uh, that Jim Collins, big, hairy, audacious goal mm. is such a, such a powerful tool when it comes to vision. Kidding that, you know, the, um, the BHAG for Jim Collins, the 10-year target from, uh, from Gino's book, whatever you want to call it, that, that single sentence on the wall, we are going to prevent financial ruin in the Jacksonville entrepreneurial community via sensible mm. cybersecurity, right? Like that is the rallying, that visionary statement to inspire the team forward. It's powerful. And even if it is impossible or lofty or improbable, it's still the like that that bannerman at the front of the charge, right? That's uh, that's such an inspiring thing. The other big takeaway that I had was that if you sell the fear, never establish trust. And trust Absolutely. is such a powerful tool in a relationship. If you have trust, there's the ability to be vulnerable. And if you're vulnerable, that's where real discovery can happen and real improvement can happen. The best relationships I had in my IT company is when there was a, the willingness to say, hey, look, here's what it is. Here's the problem. Here's what happened. I could be vulnerable if we messed up. And the business owner could be vulnerable about their goals, about their hopes, about their fears, fears. So that when they say, hey, man, you know, I'm thinking we had a, we had, a, we had a husband and wife care team who they were in their 70s and they were honest two years beforehand. They said, hey, you know, we're, we're going to be to sell. And that just that conversation, it's like, look, who knows who doesn't know? And no one knows except for you and us. Well, all right, look, we're going to we're going to kick stuff down the road because there's no way 
you're going to get the return on investment for a new $20,000 server to host your EMR. And mm. if you sell to anyone remotely bigger than you, they're going to ditch your EMR anyways. Right. So let's just let's rob, cheat and steal to keep this thing going. We're going to buy some parts right now. We're going to throw them in the closet. We'll have we'll do our own warranty service. On. We'll just keep this thing going until you get across that sale finish line because it's a four year over anyways. And, uh, you know, in two years, if you, if you sell, it'll be six, seven years old. They're not going to do anything. It's appreciated on your books. But let's create a strategy around selling in two years. And that served us well. And that it only came because there was trust. Yeah. It only came because there was tr- trusted that that we would uh, that we would serve them in the right way. And hearing that that's a core strategy, man, is like. Your willingness to be vulnerable and go ask questions as well as create trust. There's like, watch out, Jacksonville. IT ninjas are coming for you. <laughs> yes, we are. No, no, I agree with you 100%, man. It's such a, it's something that comes at such a premium, right? It's so hard to build up to use that or to kind of abuse it in a way to like sell a product, you know, fear somebody and then man, what a, you're wasting something so valuable on something that's kind of trivial, right? Like it's, it's a couple more bucks on your book. Like it's not a, it's not a big deal. Yep. Yep. Avoiding, avoiding the short-sighted sale for the long-term relationship. That's uh that's Izzy Amato for you, everyone. Izzy, I want to thank you for being on Win. Everyone, if you're, uh, if you're interested in learning more about Izzy, you can connect with them on LinkedIn. You can go to tninjas.tech to learn more about their company. And uh, I'm Ian Richardson for Win. You can view more about Win, learn more about Richardson and Richardson, see our blog, check out our webinars, or subscribe to the podcast at rr.consulting. Uh, I'd like to say thank you, Izzy, for joining us, and thank you all for tuning in and listening. This is Win and Ian Richardson signing off. You've been listening to Win with Richardson and Richardson. What's important now? We're so glad you've joined us and know you're one step closer to winning big in your business too. We'd love to connect with you outside of the show. If you have any questions or comments, please reach out to connect at rnr.consulting. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast so you'll easily know when new episodes are available. Until next time, you can win and we're here to help.